0: I've titled the teaching today, "Power, Powered Up. Say that with me, Powered Up. Turn to that person next to you and say, Powered Up. Powered up. <laughs> As I kind of dive in this today, <clears throat> I want to help you understand a couple of truths. I'm going to take you through just a little bit of history. When God created humanity, he created us perfect. There was no sin in us. There was no depression. Adam and Eve had no Uh, Bad hair days. They had no emotional breakdown moments. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect. There were no physical defects. There were no mental stress. No insecurity. No pride. No hatred. No manipulation. No perversion. No anger. None of it was... They were perfect. And when Satan saw that God created us in his own image with perfection... In fact, the Bible teaches us that when God was creating Adam, he took him from the dirt... And he was like a big mud pie looking thing, like a big clay piece of mess sitting there. And then God breathed into Adam the breath of life. (gasps) And he became a living being. His breath inside of a mud man, if you will. And it brought Adam alive. And then from Adam, God extracted Eve and created her from within Adam. And then we see that Satan hated God's perfect creation so much that he decided to destroy it. And we see in the book of Genesis chapter 3 that Lucifer comes in the form of a serpent, an animal, and he begins to speak to Adam and Eve. And he says, did God really tell you that you can't eat of this one particular tree? Yeah, he did. He told us not to eat of that. We can have anything else, but not that one. And I want to pick up there, if you don't mind, for just a moment. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, he says to them, you, you, sh- you will not surely die because God said we would die if we eat of the tree. No, you won't, the serpent said to the woman. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. In verse 7, and then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. This is the moment that sin enters humanity. See, God had breathed his life, his perfect essence, into Adam. (sighs) There was no sickness in that, no disease in that, no sinfulness in that. Adam was perfect. Eve was perfect. It was called paradise that they lived in. God made a beautiful garden. Everything. There were no mosquitoes sucking their blood out. There were no difficulties with animals. Animals weren't attacking each other. It was paradise until this moment. See, as God breathed life into Adam and Eve, Satan came around and he breathed death into them. He breathed sin into them. And from this moment forward sin became a part of our DNA the Bible actually calls it a sin nature that it's more natural for us to sin than it is to to live righteous it's more natural for us because that now is in our DNA and I want to define sin for you write this down if you're taking notes with us today sin is non-compliance to God's decrees and desires it's non-compliance to God's decrees and desires in fact I would help you understand that we can sin in multiple ways Let me give you the three ways that sin can occur inside of us. Number one, the way we think can be full of sin. 1 John chapter 3 and 15 says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Jesus also said it in Matthew chapter 5. He said, if you've looked upon a woman lustfully, you've already committed the sin in your heart. You've already sinned. You say, well, I didn't do anything about it. I've just been thinking about killing them. Sin. And it's natural to us, right? It's natural. The other way that we sin, not just w- the way we think, but what we say. What we say. So I just said it. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. I just said it. Yeah, but still what you said was sin. It was against God's ways, his nature, his decrees. And then the last one is what we do. And we all know about that. Well, you know, I did it. Yes, I did it. Oh, I didn't do it. It wasn't, my, I didn't do it. And these are the ways by which we sin before the Lord our God, before God himself, against what he created us to be. And I want you to understand, sin has such destructive power in our lives. The destructive power of sin, it's unbelievable. Let me give you a couple thoughts. First of all, sin is deceptively enjoyable. Somebody shout amen, that's true. It's deceptively enjoyable. In fact, Jesus, in teaching this principle, told a story about a young man that we call the prodigal son. And he came to his father in Jesus' story. He wanted all the money that, was gonna get, that he was going to get once his dad passed away. He wanted his inheritance now because he wanted to live now. And the Bible says that he went out. And he 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 want, he did not want to live any longer in Cedar Hill. He wanted to go live in Vegas. And so he took his money and he went out to Vegas and he the Bible says he partied it down hard. I mean, he's I mean he did he was having fun and it was enjoyable. He enjoyed every second, every moment of it, until here's the problem with sin, until it bites you like a snake. Yeah. And you look up one day, and that which was so enjoyable now is disgusting. And that's how sin works. Here's another concept of sin, and that is sin desires to enslave you. John 8 and verse 34 says, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Have you ever noticed that? Like you've got this area in your life that is sin, and you, you may be really strong in one area, but you've got this other area, and it, just, it doesn't want to just have a little bit of you. It wants to enslave you. What started with just curiosity looking at porn has now become an addiction. What started as just, you know, I just need a little glass of wine to settle my nerves after work. You know, on a Friday, it's been so crazy, has now turned into alcoholism. Sin never wants to just have a little bit of you. It wants to completely enslave you. That's what Jesus taught. And here's the next thing you got to understand about sin, and that is living in sin destines you to hell. It destines you to hell. Let me show you what Galatians chapter 5 says in verse 19. Paul quoting this says in verse 19, he says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live, everybody say live. Say it again, say live. Those who live like this will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. What Paul is warning believers, Christians in Galatians, Galatian Christians, he's saying, listen, if you live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. See, here's the thing about sin. Sin wants us to enslave us. It wants to control us, and then it wants us to live for its pleasure. When we become a Christian, what we say is, I now belong to Jesus, and I hate the sin that's so rampant in my life. And so wh- here's the balance between someone who is a Christian who sins and the balance between someone who lives in sin but yet calls himself a Christian. Listen, you've got to understand the division here. I'm a Christian, Adam McCain. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I love Jesus all in my heart, but I sin. That- I'm not going to go to hell because I sin. I repent of my sin and say, "Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry." But in fact, I grew up in a denomination that told me if I sin throughout the week, I better get to the, I better get to the altar on Sunday and repent because I'll probably go to hell if I don't get that repented. And I get in a car accident, I'm going to die. That, the Bible actually teaches the opposite of that. When you and I become become Christians, followers of Christ, there is safety in Him. We have a we have a wonderful confidence that we will not perish but have eternal life. That He is secure. We're secure in our love and His love for us. And We're not living in sin anymore. We are, maybe we may fall to sin, we may struggle with sin, but we're not living in sin. Opposed to the person who says, you know what, yeah, I call myself a Christian, but I live in this stuff. I like it. I'm living. And and, and actually talks about how uh, one passage says, and practicing sin. See, I'm not practicing sin. I stumble. I fall. I still have my humanity that I'm crucifying every day, but I'm not living in that sin. I'm not practicing that sin. Come on, Christian. Are you getting to say yes? Because you need to get delivered from some old mentalities that if I stumble, oh, I did it. I cursed that woman out. I'm going to burn in hell. I got to go to church. I got to go to church. No, you just get back and say, ma'am, can I say something to you? 45 minutes ago, when I was in this store, you said something stupid and I lost my mind. And I cussed you up one side and down the other. I just want you to know, I'm so sorry. I'm a Christian, and I lost, I sinned before you, before, and I asked God in the car to forgive me, and I just want to say I was sorry to you. Would you please have mercy on me? Would you please forgive me? Can you imagine? That sin loses its control. Why? Because it wants to enslave you. You and I just, when we stumble and fall, we just get up and say, Lord, please forgive me. Opposed to the person who says, yeah, I'm a Christian. But as Paul said, if you live in drunkenness, debauchery, wickedness, You live in it. You're practicing it. He said, I'm warning you. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is the power of sin. This is its plan to grip and take a hold of our life and literally destroy you. But I came today to give you some good news. I came today to tell you, though sin may be strong, there's a power that's greater. Though sin may have access to your life, it doesn't have access to your eternity. I want you to know something today, that you and I can overcome by the the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we can overcome the grip and the power of sin. Are you with me today? Say yes. So let me teach you kind of real quick, God's had a plan to free us from sin's grip from the very beginning. The moment he lost us, The moment that Satan breathed into us sinfulness and it became a part of our DNA. And I teach you this all the time. You do not have to tell that two-year-old to be wicked. That two-year-old is going to naturally be wicked because sin is more natural for us. It's in our DNA now. And so what we have to learn to do is crucify that sin. We have to learn to kill that sin. We have to learn to live righteously before the Lord. And that's a process. And I think we'll be processing that out until the day we cross over into the, from this life to the next. But let me show you God's quick plan on how he wanted to free us from sin's grip. Number one, he gave us the law. The law. The first thing that he gave us was the law. Put that up there. Yeah. So the first thing he gave us was the law. And what the law did, so the Ten Commandments, the teachings in the Old Testament. What God had to do was help people understand what wickedness was, because the children of Israel had been enslaved for so many hundreds of years in Egypt, they didn't even know right from wrong anymore. So he literally, the law of Moses, he had to tell them, don't do this, this is not me, this is not my way. Live like this, not like that. These are the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He had to show them where the line of righteousness was, because they had become so enthralled in wickedness that they couldn't tell right from wrong. So God gives us the law. And then what he did in the Old Testament, he said, now, because you guys can't really obey the law, what I want you to do is make sacrifices every year for all the sin but, that you've done to, that broke the law that I gave, that, that went against what I told you was right and wrong. You know that with your own children. If you tell your child not to touch that and they touch it, what do you got, now you've got a problem. What are you going to do? You told them not to do it, and now they've done it. So what are you going to do? In my house, they catch a whooping. White people don't catch whoopings. You can tell I was raised differently. <laughs> Just by the way I said it, you recognize where I'm from. It's like it, it, you, I caught a whooping. How did I catch that? Yeah. It's like the coronavirus. You caught it, all right. You was in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing, so you caught a whooping. Maybe you do a little time out and stuff, but you have to make a decision that what they did was opposite of what you told them to do, and so that's unrighteousness, and you have to, quote, discipline. So God said, because you've been disobedient to me throughout these years, here's what you have to do. And he created all these little pieces. They had to to kill a little animal, drip out its blood, come and shut, because something died. Because you were wicked, it killed something. That was the imagery he was trying to show them. There has to be payment for your disobedience. Let me tell you something right now. If you're driving down the highway, obeying the speed zone, and someone runs a stop sign at 50 miles an hour, hits the side of your car, and your child is killed, do you not want there to be some type of proper action for that person's inappropriate behavior? Sure you do. It's called righteousness. It's called justice. And God said, listen, you've disobeyed me, so there has to be justice. Something has to die. But instead of putting it on you and killing you, we're going to kill little animals. And then he said, but you know what? After years of that, he said, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay for it once and for all. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have eternal life. And he sent his son, Jesus, which is the second thing that he did. He sent Jesus so that Jesus could restore the relationship between us and the Father because it was a broken relationship. See, when you read the Bible, if you don't understand the relational aspect, what you'll see is do's and don'ts. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your child that you love so much and all they hear are the do's and don'ts? The do's and don'ts just to protect you from you being wicked and hurtful and hurting yourself. But I want the relationship. In fact, if you had relationship with me, you would understand the do's and don'ts. So number two, would you put it on the screen? Jesus came as the second part of God's plan to restore the relationship, and that's what he did. When he died on the cross, once and for all, all the sin that you and I will ever commit was paid for pay for once and for all we don't have to kill little animals we don't have to do these little ritual duties jesus paid for it once and for all the relationship now there's a gateway now there's a gateway back to the father prior to that there was a wall we could not get past it our sin created a wall we couldn't get past it and jesus said daddy i'll go and i'll fix that thing i'll tear down that wall i'll rent that veil from top to bottom i'll be the cross it goes over that canyon and now people can cross that thing to get to you father i will be the way the truth and the life men can come to you through me and Jesus sacrificed his life holy perfect sinless just like Adam and Eve that's why the Bible calls him the second Adam because Adam and Eve Adam was perfect sin entered into him every one of his offspring from that point forward every one of us that's why it's stupid to be prejudiced how could you be prejudiced when we all came from Adam and Eve think that through well I think maybe maybe aliens came and made more people you're stupid as all get it let me tell you something (laughs) We all came from Adam and Eve. We, same bloodline. Are you out of your mind? That person sitting next to you is your brother, is your cousin. That's your great, 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 great cousin. What's wrong with you? Why are you even going to act that It makes no sense to me. He said, well, no, and then the flood killed her. All right, then everybody was from Abraham from that point forward. What do you want to do? I mean, I mean, it, I mean, I mean no, excuse me, it, duh. It, I mean, goodness gracious, how cr- crazy can we get? Jesus pays the way. And then God says, I know that my people cannot overcome their sin nature by themselves. So I'm going to give them the same thing I gave my son. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. I'll give them that breath that I breathed into Adam originally. My breath, my essence, the power, the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to take the next couple moments and teach you about the power of the Holy Spirit, because some of you are trying to overcome your sin and your own strength. You can't do it. <laughs> How many times have you tried to stop looking at porn? Come on, bro. Come on, sweet love. How many times have you tried to hold your tongue instead of cussing out the other people at work? It's just, you just, whoo, or that alcohol, or whatever it may be, that hatred. That unforgiveness, you keep trying to do You've got to have the power Of the Holy Spirit at work in you To love, to forgive, to live this Life out as Jesus planned us to live And so let me give you a couple thoughts on see the Holy Spirit, so what he did was he gave his power to Overcome, that's point number three under how God planned on breaking us out of the Sin grip, and look at Acts chapter one This is, I love this passage, it's one of My most famous, uh, passionate I'm more passionate about this passage probably than, than Any other scripture, it says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Speaking of Jesus. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Everybody say gift. gift. Say it again. Say gift. gift. Wait for the gift my father promised. Ooh. Don't, you, don't you get excited about a gift? Wait for the gift my father promised. He says, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. John the Baptist baptized you with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John actually said it like this. He saw Jesus coming and he says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. In other words, when I baptize you in water, that's, you're saying, I don't want to live my old way. That old man is dead. I'm going to serve God with all my heart. He says, but there's one. That one right there, talking about Jesus. He's, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fuego. With power. Fuego del Espíritu Santo. He's going to baptize you with such fire, such power. He said, I'm baptizing you. When we do water baptism, that's under repentance. I'm not that man anymore. That old man has passed away. I want everybody to know I belong to Jesus. That old man's dead in that watery grave. I'm a new creature in Christ. That's what we're doing with water baptism. He said, but there's one coming, and he'll baptize you with fire or power, as one translation says it. And so Jesus is reminding him of that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. He goes, now look, go wait in Jerusalem. When Jesus is saying this, more than likely, he's already died, but he's saying this probably to them after he's resurrected and for those 40 days where he's appearing to them and talking to them. He says, go wait, go wait. So all the disciples, about 120 of them, are waiting for something. They're waiting for something. If you skip down to verse 8, he says this, but you will receive power. Would you say that word with me? Power. Power. One more time. Say it again. Power. Power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Some of you have watched some funky YouTube videos. You've been in some crazy churches where the people were crazy as a loon. And you got caught up in tongues and all this other stuff. And so now you're like, ooh, I don't know. I heard this and I went to theological seminary about this, that, and the other. That's great. He promised that you would have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, my question to you if you have the Holy Spirit living and abiding in you, do you have power? Or did you miss something? Or have you not powered up? Because he gave us power so that sin would not be able to control us and grip us any longer. When you look at the New Testament Christians, they were overcoming like crazy. They weren't living in depression. (laughs) You read the book of Acts, you don't see anybody like, man, God's been so good, but I want to kill myself. You don't see that. They had power to overcome it. So what's happened to us? For a couple couple folks... In certain categories, you never received the power. For others of you, you've quenched the power. For still yet, others of you, you've not been refreshed. You've been pouring out for so many years, you've not been refreshed. And it's almost as though you're powered down. You were supposed to have power to overcome sin. You were supposed to, God would never abandon you and say, be good. Oh, you're not, you can't do it? Be good. Put your hand out. He never intended to have to spank you over and over and over and over again because of sin's grip. He gave you the power to overcome it. He gave us the power to overcome it. And so in Acts chapter 2, so Jesus told them to wait. And so they're all in this room praying. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's been going around for 40 days. And then he ascends into heaven while 11 of the apostles are watching. Like, whoa. And then they go to Jerusalem. They're waiting. He told them to wait for the gift that the Father had promised. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The power that we would receive. When I'm hanging out with my Pentecostal and Charismatic friends, sometimes they get caught up in tongues. Jesus didn't, tongues is beautiful. I have a beautiful prayer language. It's awesome. I want everybody to have that. But tongues was not the factor. The factor was power. It was power. What he was after was power. I love that I have a prayer language. But the prayer language without power is nothing but somebody sitting around babbling like they crazy as a loon power is what's supposed to be happening. When I pray in the spirit, it generates, it like stirs that power inside of me and gives me the ability. That's why when you get around me, like, dude, it's cool to be around Pastor Adam. He's just kind of fun and exciting. He doesn't ever seem to be too depressed. (laughs) I have plenty of reason to be depressed, but I have power to overcome it. I have plenty of reasons to live in sin. It's not because I'm more, I'm more closer to Jesus and so I never get tempted. I'm I'm tempted. The Bible says about Jesus, he was tempted like all of us, but he had power to overcome it. That's what I want to see active in your life. Are you with me today? Say yes. yes. So when you look at P- Acts chapter 2, we see when he unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 with me. It says, "And when the day of Pentecost came. Pentecost was like this festival that they had, the Jewish people had. Uh, it would be for us like in Louisiana, like Mardi Gras, but not wicked and sinful and full of Satan. And so, and, and so when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. <laughs> suddenly. Come on, your mom ever slapped you Suddenly. <laughs> one time I ran my mouth as a teenager at the table We had one of those little tables with the little bench And mom was sitting next to me and I, I thought I was somebody And I started running my mouth And I don't even, I just was looking up at the ceiling fan after I don't know what happened And she had backslapped me <laughs> and knocked me down on the ground That's child abuse Mimi, I won't talk about that right now It says suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind You ever been in a tornado? Come on somebody like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. So a tornado filled their house. That's what the Bible says. A violent wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. They saw what seemed, the only way they knew how to describe it, to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I don't know if it looked like the the organ... We call a tongue, I have no idea. They're trying to describe what they saw. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. Verse 4 all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So translated out, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Power came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And if you'll keep reading for sake of time, I'll just tell you. They go outside, there's this big festival going on, and they have been so hit with the power of the Holy Spirit that they are tipsy. You say, how do you know that? Because all, all the other people outside think they're drunk. They're tipsy. <laughs> Woo! Church was good today! Ah! <laughs> And so now Peter stands up because all these people are gathering because they can hear these guys speaking in languages that these guys were never educated in. And they're speaking in their language because all these international people have come from all over for this festival. And Peter stands up and he begins to preach. They're not drunk like you're thinking. This is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, that God would give us the gift that he would pour out his power, his Holy Spirit on all of us. And that's what's happening right now. That's why they're so tipsy because the power has so, listen, the reason why people get drunk, get stoned and all that, because they want the pain to go away. The reason why they, their substance abuse is because they just want life to not kill them anymore. I'm telling you, if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, I would be a drunkard. I'm going to tell you that right now. I would be smoking all the dope they would let me smoke. I would have businesses in dope smoking. I mean, I would because, because life is painful. Somebody shout Yes. Jesus said in this life you'll, you'll have a lot of pain and suffering but take heart because I've overcome the world I'm going to give you the ability to overcome this stuff you just got to receive it you got to walk in it you got to know about it you got to activate it and that's my big aha for you today is that you have access to power where you don't have to be addicted to sin anymore it doesn't have to grip you anymore you don't have to be embarrassed by it you don't have to destroy your family through it you don't have to be overtaken by it anymore you and I have To power up. We have to let what God planned, the gift of God, come to us and power up. Peter, who just days earlier, Hey, aren't you with Jesus? I don't know Jesus. Jesus who? I don't know him. In fact, when this little slave girl walked up to him, he started cussing her. I told you, beep! I don't know, beep! I don't know, beep! Days later, he now has power, and he stands in front of three thousand or thousands of people and he preaches his guts out. And he says, you know what I'm going to talk to you about? I'm going to talk to you about the man that you killed, the Messiah. Yeah. That's bold. You scared and now you bold. How did that happen in one instant? Power. Power. How, much, how many times do you and I feel so guilty and so shameful that we never stood up for Jesus at work when that thing was happening or, you know, when we were at that restaurant or something like that? We had no power to tap into. It's time to tap into the gift that God gave you. The power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if I could be so silly, I made a little illustration video at my house Friday to try to illustrate this for just a moment. Could I play that for you? Would that be all right? It's a little homegrown video. Play that for him, guys. Give him a little shot of that. So when we talk about sin and the power of it, it so frustrates me as a Christian that I'm still tempted with sin, that I'm still overtaken by sin. It just frustrates me. And the reason sin has power in our life is because we haven't tapped into the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually gave us his Holy Spirit so that we had power over sin. It's kind of like this house. When I bought this house about a year and a half ago or so, I knew I was gonna have problems. And the reason why is because I got these huge trees, right? And guess what huge trees do? they drop leaves. And I'm constantly having to try to rake up these leaves. And man, it just became so infuriating because I'd push them off a little bit and they'd come right back. And it almost was like I was weak until I got a hold to something with power. That's right. I went and bought one of these huge power blowers. Actually, I got it for Christmas. But I want you to understand, when you and I tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, sin won't have power over us anymore. When you and I say, you know what, Holy Spirit, come. Give me free reign over this. Help me overcome my own temptations," It'll be like this power blower. It'll be this huge moment where you and I just go... "Ah!" How good that looks you know what has to happen in all of our lives is we've got to stop trying to do all this in our own strength we were never able to overcome our own sin Jesus died and paid for it and then he gave us his Holy Spirit to give us the ability to overtake overcome to power up against our own sin what you and I need is we need a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost what you and I need is a refreshing in the Holy Spirit for some of you you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit Get that power going. Let's move the big rocks. Come on. <laughs> so I'll close with this. Um, we got saved, Mimi, Pop, and I, we got saved in a denominational church that did not talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we would skip those passages. And, uh, and we continue to struggle with our own humanity, our own sinfulness. Remember, because it's in our DNA. Sin is in our DNA. And, uh, and we met a person uh, who told us about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we had this experience where uh, Pop kind of let out. He and Mimi got in one of these fights, kind of things that Christians don't have. And, um, and so, so Pop took off. I'll never forget the night He took off, and he went and found this group of Christians that had told him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were having a small group in the living room. And Pop went over there and, uh, and busted in on their small group. And they said, you know, Mike, you know what your problem is? You don't have any power to stop that. You need power. He's like, I don't know what I need. I just don't want to live like this anymore. This is worse than when I wasn't a Christian. When I was doing drugs and all this, I just don't want to live like this. And they laid hands on him. and He received the power of the Holy Spirit. He had, God gave him a beautiful prayer language and all that. Well, he came home, got me and Mimi out of bed, got on the floor in the living room on his knees and began to repent. I'd never seen him do that. Redheads don't repent. Hey. Redheads don't say they sorry. And, man, Mimi's crying. I'm crying. It's like something supernatural was happening. And I'll never forget, Mimi said, we're going to go to that church, wherever that church is. That's where we got to go, because this other stuff is dead. And we showed up, and I'll never forget, we pulled up. It was at a house. (laughs) We're coming out of denominational church. I said, this ain't a church, this is a cult. What is this? And they said, well, let's just go on inside. We walked inside, they had chips and dips everywhere. And they were all a bunch of stoners. I mean, they all looked like they were all, and they were like, Come on in. I'm like, what are we doing? And so, then they started doing worship. And this week, now, denominational church, pews, hymns, a cappella singing. And we walk in, and they're starting worship, up. and they got this dude with a guitar. And there's this gal playing the drums. She's sitting on a, the hearth of the fireplace, and she's got drums all around them, and they've got an overhead projector because they got a sheet hanging down from the wall. And they're putting the words to the songs, because nobody knows these songs, because they made those songs up last night as they were smoking. So anyway, and they got all these, these words on the songs, and I'll never forget, I'm sitting sta- standing there, and, and this gal's got this long blonde hair, and she's got one cross eye. And that overhead projector's hitting her in the face. So it's like a spotlight. Here's this woman. And they're playing, boy, they're killing. They're killing the drums and that kind of stuff. And, man, then the guy gets up there and he starts preaching. And I'm like, this is Satan. I told him to mom. I'm saying, listen, we got to get out of here. This is a cult. I'm telling you. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Let's get out of here quick. And then the guy says, now, how many of you guys in here want the Holy Ghost? I was like, we got to go. Mom raised her hand. I was like, No no and they prayed for her and they're pushing her and all this kind of stuff and I'm like we got to get out of here we kept going to that church for a couple weeks and then they started honing in on me some of you in this room ain't got the Holy Ghost well there ain't but 30 of us and you know who it is <laughs> it's me and mom's like raise your hand I'm like I ain't raising my hand raise your hand you need the power of the Holy Ghost I don't know what they were smoking in those days the doctrine was nowhere close to accurate they were so excited that uh, they just blew past rightness in Scripture. And then finally I said, okay, I'll go up there. And so I went up there and they said, lift your hands and uh, close your eyes. I'm like, you got to understand, I'm from the hood. I'm the original eight-mile guy. And so I'm not, if I lift my hands, I'm not going to close my eyes. Like, you're not going to punch me in the face and me not see it coming, right? So I do that kind of thing there, like, close your eyes. I'm like, I ain't closing my eyes. they close your eyes. So I do like that where I can still see them. And then they start laying hands on, and I do just like you would have done. I started leaning in like that, like, let's go. You're not going to knock me down. Try to knock me down. And they're pushing on me. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Now, you got to understand, I had saw The Shining, and uh, I had seen all those movies. So when they're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, because King James calls him the Holy Ghost. When they're talking about the Holy Ghost, I am looking for something to come out of the wall. Like, I've got this picture, you know, like Ghostbusters, and it's going to, (laughs) oh, yeah, that's my thought of what they're, and so I'm not, I'm like, I'm junior high, so you're not going to make fun of me. You're not going to knock me down, and I'm leaning in, I'm leaning in, I'm leaning in, and finally, they they gave up. They're like, did you get it? I'm like, what I got is a neck injury because you keep pushing and shoving on me. That's what I got, and so after a couple weeks of that, They gave up, and I gave up, and I just thought, well, I must have demons, because they were so concentrated on tongues that they missed power. That was the problem. I'll never forget laying on the living room floor, and I'm looking at the ceiling fan. Have you ever just watched, try to catch one blade? And I heard a voice inside of me say, I have given you my Holy Spirit. You're just scared to... Let go and let the power flow through you. And I said, okay. We prayed. We got a beautiful prayer language in the process, me, me, and Papa and I. And I'm telling you guys, from that point forward, I've never been the same. I would stand up to friends, take down perversion, repent of lying. I'm telling you, I've never been the same. And I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't teach you about the power that you have access to. I know there have been people misappropriated that. I know Holy Ghost and all these crazy televangelists have misappropriated. But you can't get past that every one of those who wrote your New Testament prayed in other tongues. Every one of the authors of the New Testament books prayed in in other tongues. Because they were either all there at the day of Pentecost, or they were a disciple of Paul. And Paul said, I thank God. I prayed more in tongues than all of you guys. And I thank God. And so stop getting hung up with tongues, and let's just get power going in our lives. Let's overcome some sin. Let's kill that DNA source inside of us. And let's live for God with all of our heart. Are you with me today? Say yes.